Welcome to the PEBC podcast. My name is Michelle Jones, and I will be hosting our series on phenomenal teaching. This series is a collection of conversations with various authors, classroom teachers, education leaders, and staff developers whose work has influenced the PEBC teaching framework. In each episode, we'll explore how the strands of planning, community, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment cultivate student agency and understanding for each and every learner. Thank you so much for listening in. Today, we are honored to feature Sue Kempton on the Phenomenal Teaching Podcast. Sue is the author of The Literate Kindergarten, and let's find out. She was a classroom teacher and PEBC lab host for many years, and now she consults across the nation to help schools, leaders, and teachers implement full-day kindergarten. Sue, it is such a pleasure to spend time with you today. When I spent time in your classroom, I was always transfixed by the music, the art, the children, their language, the animals the rich literature, the student writing, and the high level of student independence and agency, and their deep, deep understanding of content. And so I am just thrilled to be able to see you today and have this conversation. How are you? I'm doing great, Michelle. It's just really an honor to be here and to speak with you about my work and just reconnect. You know, it's great. I just, you know, I think about, I was probably in your classroom for the first time maybe 16 years ago. And I can remember just not wanting to leave. And I can remember your teaching and your students and just being surrounded by that aesthetic and then realizing the deep thinking that was happening and the deep engagement and your commitment to students, particularly young students, five and six-year-olds, as learners and thinkers and people who are capable of big, big thoughts and big ideas. So today, I just, I'm just tickled. I, I can't believe we get to have this conversation. And I really, really want to focus in on in what ways can teachers, schools, foster agency and understanding for some of our youngest learners? It's mm-hmm. a great question. Um, number one, I think it really begins with giving children a voice, Um, you know, and I think back on, you know, where literacy really starts is really talk. And talk is the root of literacy. Um, You know, we create our world through language. And what we need to do is to create you know, this safe context for kids to open up and share uh, what they know, what they don't know, um, what they're wondering about, what they're discovering. So it begins with giving them voice. And, you know, with young children, as you well know, you know, children don't, you know, just walk through the door, you know, day one and start speaking, you know, it's up to the teacher to create that safe context so they can open up. There's a whole lot more to it than just giving them voice. Um, You know, several steps, you know, when you think about where, where would you start? It's creating structures within the classroom, carving out predictable times for them to talk. Um, You know, and then once you carve out that time during the day, you know, teaching specific protocols to children, what it looks like and sounds like, what does it mean to be a good listener? What does it look like? 
Um, you know, where do your eyes belong? Um, setting, um, you know, and I think about um, also that, that piece of agency in order to, you know, create that responsibility for our youngest learners. You know, it's constantly setting appropriate levels of expectations for them based on individual needs, scaffolding um, when necessary. And the piece that I always got really deeply, you know, was that continual monitoring and assessment of their progress, continually making adjustments for them the bottom line that I get from all of this is that you need to know your kids inside and out. You know, it's all about bringing the emotional, the physical, the cognitive arenas into play. And when I also think about it, it's also, of course, about creating community, that power of community. Um, you know, a message that was very strong in my room is that we are all teachers. This is a community of learners. Um, my focus was always on empowering children, giving them the resources, um, you know, within the classroom, you know, to find, but also most importantly, finding those resources within themselves. Modeling, you know, continually modeling where to find, how to find, you know, what they're looking for. Um, you know, what friends that they can tap, you know, for that support. So Sue, when you think about kindergarten and that picture you just painted for us, students being independent, students being able to access language, being able to access other students, really being able to explore and find their voices in your classroom, you mentioned community. Community is one of the strands of the PEBC teaching framework, as is discourse. So when you think about those two strands coming together, what does that look like for five and six-year-olds? How do you build that strong community that allows young learners to figure out how to do school and to have rich conversations with one another? Mm -hmm. um, it begins with really listening to children, um, you know, and that begins, you know, the second they walk through the door. It's looking into their little eyes, you know, and seeing where they're at that day. It's, you know, one of the rituals in my room was to um, give each child a big hug and a good morning, sweetheart. You know, it's, that's where it begins. It's about honoring the child, honoring the individual, you know, child, and then talking about, continually talking about that power of, community, that we are all teachers in the room. Um, but getting back to, you know, the structures of that talk, one of the structures that I had, you know, in my room uh, was carving out times for children, for the whole community to come together and talk. And this was after um, our choice reading time in the morning where children were free to choose any book, you know, any partner that they wanted to read with either by themselves or with, you know, other children. Um, but then coming together um, on our big oval space, which was our community space for that talk. 
And, you know, that was just a sacred space for all of us, you know, and it gets back to, first of all, you know, sharing with children and being very transparent about why this time is here. You know, one of the things that I'm always, you know, teaching teachers all the time is to be crystal clear about the why and purpose behind what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, so that communication is so important to share with kids, you know, that we're gathering here because we can all learn from one another. And, um, you know, when we are here together, this is what it looks like and this is what it sounds like without going into all the logistics. But, but specifically with young children, you know, how to sit. You know, what does it look like to listen? Um, continually giving them that message that, you know, listening to our friends is one of the best ways that we can honor their thinking. When you think about that structure and really creating that image or that picture for students so they know exactly what it looks like and sounds like and they understand the rituals and routines and the way in which to have a conversation, how do you promote rich talk? How do we give younger students or any students something worthy to talk about? How do you plan for that? How do you intentionally build opportunities for rich talk for young learners? I love that question, Michelle, because it really targets um, the essence of five and six-year-olds. It's really understanding how young children operate in the world. One of the things that I wrote about in both of my books are, you know, the whole notion of wonder, discover, and feel. That's how they operate in the world. Um, if you're in the middle of a read aloud, you know, if you're a kindergarten teacher or a young you know, and a spider is crawling across the floor, I guess where they're all, you know, <laughs> more, right? They're all there, you know, all their eyes are diverted there. They are in the now, they operate in the now and they love, you know, you know they love how, you know, they're naturally inclined to, um, you know, the natural world. So things like, you know, animals and um, things that are alive, thus all the animals in my room. That's why they were so captivated by that. Um, but since young children operate from wonder, discover, and feel, these are the contexts that you need to create in your classroom. One of wonder and discovery and feeling. Um, so it means, you know, creating this rich context where wonder can exist and discovery. And thus, that's why I created the first 20 minutes of my day to open that, um, you know, their thinking up, to have that totally open to children where they could choose any book in the room, right? And a lot of it was, you know, geared towards nonfiction. And obviously for, you know, the, uh, the most obvious reasons is because that's what they were in tune with. That's what they're fascinated with. And so, you know, so by creating that rich context for that, you know, providing great literature, you know, nonfiction is just a goldmine, you know, for young kids. Um, and really giving them those opportunities to talk 
you know, so you can pull out what what's going on in their little heads, you know, what are they wondering about? What do they know, right? What do they want to know? How are they feeling about it, you know? Are they confused? Are they excited? Are they frightened, you know? Um, you know, a simple example, you know, that I can give you are, you know, kids, you know, I'm just thinking back on a time when, you know, a little snippet out of my room, you know, kids were wondering about how polar bears hunt for seals. And anyway, it began with, you know, just showing them photographs, you know, literature, visuals, right? Of a polar bear crouched down low, you know, um, next to, you know, this ice hole, right? They didn't know the name of it, you know, and so you're talking about how do you develop rich language? How do you develop that rich talk? It's providing that rich language in meaningful contextual ways, you know. It's asking them, number one, not assuming, because they may know it's called a breathing hole. Um, but nine times out of ten, you know, many of the children don't have that language, but you know, particularly the children that I was working with, which was in a high needs community. So, you know, it's just asking, using inquiry, you know, to open up, you know, what they know, what they don't know, and then providing that rich language for them in the moment. You know, what do you see? There's a hole. Do you know what you call that? You know, and then providing that language of, it's called a breathing hole. But then getting into more of the thinking, why do you think he's doing that, right? Um, what do you see here on the side? You know, do you know the name of this animal? And they see this, you know, shiny little animal off in the distance and it's a seal, you know, what do you know about seals? How do they move? Where do they move? Right. What else do you notice? Um, you know, and the inquiry just goes on and on with, you know, them sharing with me, he's got his paw, you know, covering his nose. Wow. Why? Right. And what do you know? And, you know, it, first of all, you know, what color is his nose? What do you know about it? It's black. You know, what do you see all around the polar bear? You know, it's white. Why do you think he's color, you know, covering it, you know, and through critical reasoning and through deductive reasoning. And that's, that's the part about getting back to empowering a child and giving them voice to really claim that, they actually do know why the polar bear is covering his big black nose, you know, in this white surrounding, um, you know, and they can answer for themselves that that polar bear is hiding himself, you know, so he can, you know, capture that seal. And then introducing the language of camouflage contextually. It's a simple example. Sue, so it's a simple example but it paints such a rich picture. You really helped us think about the role of rich talk, the role of conversation for young learners, establishing that community, developing routines for talk, the importance of providing rich materials and opportunities for inquiry. And then it's that careful listening, paraphrasing and modeling and questioning to help that talk really elaborate. Like you said, to develop into deductive or inductive reasoning. So my next question is, why does talk matter? What's the impact on learning? 
the impact on learning is talk is the root of literacy. That's where it begins. So, for example, you know, with this polar bear, I'll just stick with the polar bear thing, you know, so you can get a sense of it. But, you know, it's it's also um, because it's the root of literacy, you know, this is where it begins, you know. What we think we can say, that's what we're talking. What we say we can write, and what we write we can read. All of this rich talk that's developed, you know, eventually spills out into a child's writing, independent writing. And typically that happens, you know, early springtime in kindergarten. So all this rich language of a breathing hole, camouflage, right? Um, you know, the Arctic, the tundra, this is all language that was developed during this inquiry of the polar bears and the seals, right? Um, you know, I'm just thinking of, um, you know, the whole notion of camouflage, um, you know, pounce, you know, that the polar bear, you know, would pounce on it. Um, mammals, you know, why... I mean, this all came up in the inquiry. Why, first of all, why would a seal, you know, come up through a breathing hole? Why doesn't it just stay under the ice, you know, the whole time and swim around? You know, and th these are all concepts that are intentionally and purposefully layered and woven into um, the learning that's happening in the classroom. But ultimately, all this rich talk, because that's where it begins, that fluent talk becomes fluent writing. And that's critical that that rich foundation is laid for kids. Sue, thank you so much. You just took us right into your classroom, laid out that entire process, and then linked it to literacy development. So as we wrap up today, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners that might support them in their journey with developing rich talk in their classrooms? Um, let's see. Gosh. Um, you know, when you were asking about you know, how do you develop that rich talk with children? I, you know, I mentioned listening, truly listening to children, listening to their interests, um, knowing your kids and building that rich language, um, you know, in contextual ways as, as much as possible. Um, but that rich talk is something that needs to be First of all, time needs to be allotted for that, predictable times um, carved into the schedule. Um, you can't expect, you know, that rich talk to surface. You know, if you have, you know, that community talk time, maybe, you know, twice a week and then next week it's, you know, one day a week. You know, in my room, that talk time was five days a week, every day. And it was for that allotted 20 minutes of the day. Sue, I know we could talk all day, but I just love that last postscript you gave us. It's got to be consistent. Students need time to talk every day about meaningful topics or meaningful ideas that they are genuinely curious about. 
I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. It has been such a pleasure to see and talk with you today. I have such appreciation and gratitude for all of the work that you have done for young learners, not only in Denver, but around the country. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Michelle. It's been great to reconnect with you. And thanks so much for asking me to speak. Yeah, it was great. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us today. We hope our time together bolstered your agency and understanding. PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado, and works locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding, as described in Wendy Ward-Hoffer's newest book, Phenomenal Teaching. PEBC provides customized on-site professional development and coaching for schools and districts, facilitates a variety of institutes and seminars, and offers an array of online learning experiences for all educators. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at pebc.org. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.